Drink? If you offered me a scotch and plain water, I could drink a scotch and plain water. That a boy, Lieutenant. Make it yourself like a good chap, will you? Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Growing Up Punk podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. We love getting to do this show. We love getting to um, talk with each other about bands that we love. We love getting to talk with you about bands that have influenced us. And we also love talking to other people that um, are in the music scene. Maybe they're not necessarily musicians, but they have played a big part in um, in music in different ways. And today that is the creative way of art. And uh, as you all know, art plays a big part in music. We all love you know CD and vinyl covers and the art that goes with it. We love show posters and all that kind of stuff. And so today it's cool to have um, an artist guest on the show. And I will get to that in a minute. Before that, if you like what we are doing and you want to get more involved in um, the podcast, then please go to our website, growingpunkpod.com. There you will find everything you need to connect with us further, to send us your input, to check out our merch store, to go to our YouTube and all that other stuff. If you like uh, diving deep into music and into interviews and video and, and artwork and all that kind of cool stuff, then, then check that out. We post uh, music reviews and um, a bunch of things that um, keep us connected to, to the music that we love. So please go check us out there. And we are very thankful for that. So today we are talking with John Neeson. You might uh, might not know that name. Maybe you do if you're um, like me and David. And uh, over the years, you know, as we've gotten into music and CDs, we've mentioned many times how we'll uh, pour over the liner notes and, you know, see who's produced the albums, who's done the art, what are the bands that they're thanking, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, then maybe you will recognize this name because he is the creator of the PXPX, which is the classic MXPX Punkhead logo uh, that originally um, was first printed or used for art on MXPX's 1994 release, Poconacha. And so John's been around, you know, for a long time. That album came out in 1994. And he's been doing artwork for them as well as lots of other bands and companies and stuff since then. So we had a really interesting conversation just about how we got originally got connected with MXPX and um, you know some of the tooth and nail bands and and just kind of how that all kind of worked together. It's a really interesting conversation. This is um, a talk and questions that I've had for many years, and so it was a, a huge joy to to take the time to talk with John and kind of hear his thoughts um, on on music and MXPX in particular. Um, another logo he created that maybe you're not aware of is the classic tooth and nail logo, um, which I think I had known, but maybe I forgot. And so when he let me know that this week, I was just super excited about that. You know, that classic tooth and nail logo and the MXPX punk head are, for me anyways, and I'm sure many others, like the two most kind of iconic 
music logos. And so, um, yeah, just really, really cool to talk with John and, and hear his journey on, you know, how he got into music and how he got into art and kind of uh, his journey since then. Um, but we, we mostly touch on the things relating to MXPX to go along with our series of theirs. And so lots of, lots of really cool details in there. Um, after my talk with John... He had sent me um, an email just wanting to kind of clarify some of his thoughts. So often what can happen when we're doing a podcast, you know, we're having this conversation, you know, sometimes the communication isn't as clear. Maybe the questions I'm asking aren't, you know, as clear or to the point as they can be. And sometimes just when you're having a conversation, you get, you know, not confused, but maybe you, you know, say things and it's like, oh, actually that wasn't, that wasn't correct or you know, you remember details later on or, or whatever the case is. So there was a few things that um, that John just wanted to clarify just so that um, there weren't any things in there that kind of came off, um, you know, how how they weren't intended. And so I'm just going to briefly touch on those things and you'll kind of, as you listen to the interview, um, when these when these questions come, then you can kind of, you know, just understand that there was um, maybe some miscommunication. Um, so one of those was um, I had asked him, you know, just was there um, any contracts between him and Tooth and Nail or the bands, you know, back in the early 90s. And and uh, he said there, you know, that was one of the things that kind of took um, longer to happen. It wasn't really until later on that um, he realized that, oh, contracts are a necessary, necessary thing. You know, back then it was like, oh, awesome. This band wants to use my artwork. Cool. Here we go. You know, there wasn't as much um, you know, contractual agreements and that. And so uh, he, he just kind of wanted to clarify that that, that took a while, um, that there wasn't, you know, much contracts with Tooth & Nail. However, with the bands, um, that did come kind of over time. And so that, that's just kind of part of the music industry as well. And so um, you can kind of take that for what it's worth. Um, he also did clarify that he did receive payment for the Poconacha original art, in the interview, you you will hear that he says that he originally didn't get paid for that, um, but that when he went back to his records, he actually did. Um, and again, that was one of those things where he was just really excited to do it. So it's not out of you know bitterness or anything or resentment that you know that he talks about not getting paid. It was just one of those things back then that you didn't really think about because he was just excited to have a band like MXPX use his artwork. Um, we also, I, I had asked him if he was into any kind of newer music and I maybe didn't quite clarify what I meant by that. And so his answer maybe didn't quite represent, um, what his actual thoughts were on if he's still connected with new music. And so, um, he in fact is, and I think in, in the interview, he maybe says he's not as up to date on music, but he just misunderstood my question. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's it. If there's anything else, leave us a comment, send us a message and we can clarify that for you if you like. Um, but other than that, please enjoy my interview with John Neeson. Thank you. 
So what was the first band that you remember really liking and being into? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I would say I grew up like a lot of kids at, in my area um, where I grew up kind of listening to the classic rock station. Um, the first band that I thought, oh, that's my favorite band um, was the Scorpions. Nice. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was like, I think it was because of that Blackout album just was so good. And like the album cover was was so iconic with the forks in the guy's eyes and he was screaming. And and so then once I got that, I went back and found earlier music. And the, the two albums before that um, are just great. And I still, every once in a while, will put those on and just, it, they're pretty fun. So, um, yeah. But then, you know, as as I grew up and just discovered more and more music, um, and, and it became, like, my thing to just, you know, ex- explore what was out there and not wanting to ever settle for what was spoon fed me right um i started to get into new wave and hardly anybody in my small town was listening to that stuff and then um eventually i started to like i bought some books that kind of explained like the history of that kind of music and all these alternative you know bands and what influenced them and so i started going back and there was no way to preview this stuff you know right yeah of course so you kind of had to buy it blind you know as far as you just assumed you might like it and it was a big it was a big risk because you're a kid you don't have a lot of uh expendable income and um i think then i started to get into bands that sort of blew my mind like the plasmatics and and you know and black flag and um the dead kennedys and yeah and then i went back even further and was like okay who influenced those guys and then i explored to like the ramones and sex pistols and new york dolls and the clash Mm. and just and, and the stooges i mean that stuff is just incredible and i i still I'll still put on the Stooges every once in a while and, and just absolutely love it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That That's definitely, uh, um, yeah, like kind of a, a step even further back than, um, you know, than a lot of the, so I'm not, I'm not trying to, not trying to say you're old, I guess. Um, I mean, well, it, well I am. So. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe you're older than, than the typical kind of band guy I talk to. And so it's cool hearing, um, you know about about those bands that really started it all. Did you get to see any of those bands? Like, were they coming through your area? Uh, yeah. So I guess the, I guess the probably the ones that stand out the most are like Black Flag. I saw a couple times when Henry Rollins was their singer, um, and I saw Husker Du a bunch of times. Um. Uh, I saw GBH. Um, 
I, I was fortunate to live pretty close to Portland, Oregon. Um, I lived in near Vancouver, Washington, and it okay. was yep. it was just a little bit of a drive to to Portland. And once and once me and my friends got our driver's licenses, it was like it was just like we would try to go to every show we could because it was just so fun. Yeah, um, seeing all those bands and and uh, during that time, it was like the mid '80s and um, the, uh, the hard, fast rules type of ethos was going on, which is, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like, it's like who can play the hardest, the fastest, right? Yeah. Um, sort of dominated and, and out of that came some really great bands. Like, and then I became just a huge fan of the local guys because, um, like I said, I was always looking for something that was a little different and um, a less, you know, even less mainstream. So um, fortunately, I was near Portland, which meant I got to see Poison Idea a bunch of times and and the Accused from Seattle. And those were my two favorite local bands. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. That's so cool to hear that. Have you kept up with like with punk music, or was that was that era of punk, you know, kind of your thing? And then, you know, once it became maybe a bit more commercial or mainstream, did you lose interest in that, or like what what's your musical kind of interest and scope in kind of between that and now? I held on to a lot of that, um, but as the years went on, I. I probably just because of circumstances uh, within the last, I don't know, I don't know, 15 years or so, I've kind of like, uh, I've gotten a little bit away from the really tapping into what was going on. Like, I feel pretty lost right now as far as what's the newest things. But before that, I was pretty pretty dialed into what was going on and and a lot of just great bands i mean came out later it's you know but it wasn't always it, it wasn't always a straight ahead punk rock or whatever but i liked anything i i just have a i have a pretty diverse um you know taste in music yeah. and and even even when i was like in high school hearing reggae for the first time it was like what is this this is awesome stuff like that and um so as we went on into the early 90s and then and the alternative music was just exploding um that was just incredible time to be around and then i i had moved to seattle for art school and so i was right there you know pre pre grunge explosion wow that's crazy and you know, I was still going to shows, but I was underage. And and unlike Portland, Seattle had this crazy dance hall ordinance that kept um, anyone from having all-age shows there. And so we had to drive to Tacoma, which is a little bit of a drive. And it was sad because we were right near downtown. I mean, we were basically in downtown. And we couldn't go to the the shows around there but i end up seeing like 
Soundgarden in, in 1986. Wow. <laughs> it was like they were they were just young and they were an opening band, you know, type of thing. So, right. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Man, that's really neat. So what made you want to pursue art? Like why, what, you know, what made you want to, to go to art school? And what do you kind of remember about first wanting to, to become an artist? Like were you drawing as a kid or was there something specific that kind of shifted in you that made you want to pursue art or what happened with that? Um, I just... I've always liked creating things and whether it was, you know, drawing or pasting together boxes to make a spaceship for my Star Wars figures, you know, because I couldn't afford the Star Wars ship at the store, you know, Um, but I always loved, you know, creating and, and I think the thing that was really good for me was my parents really were really encouraging and also like my teachers um i remember you know having you know my 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 art put up on the wall you know and being proud of that or whatever when i was in second grade or something and so it kind of went from there and then as i got into high school i was still drawing a lot and i was and i would do it at home after i got my homework done and I would just look forward to it at night and, um, and I wasn't even that, I wasn't like the best artist in my classes in, in high school. Like there was, there was guys that were way better, but it never stopped me from having that passion for Mm, it. Yeah. And I thought I was going to go to a, a university. So all my classes were kind of prepping me for that, but I wasn't a good student and, and I struggled. And so I was like, I really wish there was a school I could go to where I'd have to take all this other stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and so I didn't think that really existed. And then a, um, I think it was my junior year, maybe our senior year of high school, a representative from the art Institute of Seattle came and talked to our class and uh, they did a good job (laughs) because I was, you know, in a little while I was driving to go visit that school. And um, my, I went with my friend and he, he, he got a ride with somebody, some adult that took us. And, uh, and when I heard it, you know, and I saw the school and all that kind of stuff. And I saw the level of quality that was the student work. I was, I was, uh, I was sold. And, you know, I came back to my parents. I said, can we afford this? Cause I, I want to go here. Yeah. And they said, well, I think we can, I think we can swing it because it's only two years. <laughs> and so I got to go to art school. And the thing, thing was, I had no idea what a career in art even looked like. I, I had no idea at that point there, there just wasn't as many ways I think to find out about that kind of stuff either. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. You know? And so, you know, it was a good place for me to be because 
they taught us all sorts of stuff and it was from the ground up, you know, there's such a variety of classes and, and, uh, it was pretty much a crash crash course because, um, it was like two years straight, 20 credits every quarter and hardly any breaks. And, but when I came out, it was kind of like a trade school because, um, you were being prepared for a job, you know? Right. Like they set you up kind of with like a co-op program or something like where they guarantee you a job or, uh, no, no, it's more like they were teaching you the skills to actually work, get a job, you know, whereas, whereas I feel like a lot of maybe fine art degrees and stuff don't have that focus, you know, and those are fine too, but this was very focused on visual communications, you know? So, um, you know, so it, it was good because I came out out of that with a little bit of an idea of what I might be able to do to make a living. Mm, yeah. And then um, so I was fortunate to get a job after that. But um, yeah, that, I think that's kind of the process that that got me to that point. I I felt like it might be my. My plan A with no plan B type of thing, like right. I better put it all into this because uh this might be my only chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you find that your, your passion for music changed at all when you went to art school? Did those kind of go hand in hand or was it, you know, okay, now I'm in art school. This is what I'm going to focus on. You know, music might still be there, but, or were you still, you know, going to shows and all that? Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, it, it just kept, it just kept going. Cause, um, you know, every project I could squeeze some kind of band promotion into or, or you know, uh, squeeze my love of music into the, the, mm. the project, I would, yeah. e- even in high school, you know, I was doing that. But, um, but even more in, in art school, because, you know, a lot of times you get to pick what your subject matter is and, and it was what I was thinking about all the time. And, and like I said, we would, we would go pretty often to shows and, um, you know, it was just the thing. It was just the thing we did for, for fun, you know? Yeah. So is that when you would have met MXPX or how did you initially get connected with them and what year would have that been? Um, so, I don't know how deep you want me to go into the story, but yeah, the, um, the more like how, yeah, how the far more cool, back, the more cool info, the better. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so I graduated, um, and during my college years, I, I kind of had a, uh, you know, like a, I don't know, like I had always grown up going to church um, because that's what my family did and everything, but I don't, I wouldn't have called myself Christian. But then when I got to college, it was like, I finally had a chance to decide for myself, you know, what I wanted to do. And so I committed my life to, to, you know, to Jesus and Christianity. And um, so as but I still kept going to all those shows and like all this stuff. It didn't really, didn't really change my love of music. And so, um, 
but there was that sort of inner conflict with it, you know, because a lot of the the stuff they were talking about was didn't align with my new faith or whatever. So um, as the years went on and um, I got married and and um, I got married in 1990 and then, um, you know, I kept I kept trying to find music that, you know, aligned with my faith and also was, was good, you know, like what I, what I, what I liked before. And so I, I went to, I went to, I think one, one show for the crucified. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I I fell in love with the Crucified because it was like, oh, there's people like this out there making making this kind of music. Like these are my people. This is this is insane. Like I didn't know anything about any of that world before that, and um, and so when I was there, I started to get you know they would hand out flyers at these shows for the next shows or whatever. So you kind of get you kind of get into this world when you, when you poke your toe into it, you know? And, and so one of the bands, um, that opened for them, um, was Blenderhead. And, and I started to see them around town. Like I would, I went to a few more of their shows and I, and I noticed that I really liked their music, but, I didn't think their visuals held up to the, the you know, the music. Yeah. Um, and so I, I designed a t-shirt and I mocked it up and I found their address in something, in a fanzine. And I, and I wrote to them and I sent the t-shirt and I said, Hey, I did this for you. I don't know if you'd want it or not or whatever. Um, but you can have it if you want and that kind of stuff. And, so that's how I met um, Billy Power, who ended up um, was pretty foundational in the beginnings of Tooth and Nail Records. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And he he was the one that sort of convinced Brandon to even move the the operation to Seattle, and and so once I knew Billy, he was very connected with all, all the other musicians in Seattle who were Christians, you know, and there was like this little scene that I was so glad to find, you know, and, um, and so through him, I ended up doing, uh, his, his album cover. And it was all about the same time when I was working on, his blenderhead cover and you know tooth and nail was starting to um sort of develop their you know presence or whatever in seattle and and um and so at the at the same time um my wife and i would go to these little house shows and one of those house shows uh, you know, MXPX played, 
I had no idea who they were or whatever. It was like they they brought in their gear. They were just these young kids. They they were I think they were about sixteen or seventeen sometime something like that at the time. And uh, and I remember leaving that first night after I saw them the first time. And I'm walking to we're walking to the car, and I said to my wife, you know, there's a lot of great bands in this scene but those guys are going to go somewhere Man, that's awesome i love that that's so cool just knowing that you were there since the beginning like man that, that's so rad yeah i'm so glad i i got to you know be there for that and then and then um i had talked to them you know once like while they're loading up their gear at the end of a show or something and met mike i think and and I told him I was an artist and, you know, if he wanted some help or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people did that. He kind of, he's like very nice, but okay, you know, whatever, you know, never followed through with it or whatever. And, uh, and then Brandon liked the art for Blenderhead so much that he asked me if I would work on MXPX's first album. And so that's kind of how I got connected with them. Oh, okay. Kind of around, was, around the back door. Yeah. It was all through, um, through tooth and nail through Brandon. So, yeah. yeah. So what's like, what was that first piece of art they asked you to create or did Brandon just say, you know, I've got this new band, you know, kind of draw something up or how, how did that all piece together? Yeah. Um, like, did you have I, much direction on on what they were looking for? Or? Yeah, I think I pretty much, I, I'm pretty sure I I talked to Mike Herrera on the phone and asked him a bunch of questions, you know, um, and kind of got a feel for maybe a direction I could go. And I sketched up some stuff and showed it to him. But that original conversation, um, I remember asking him like what are some band what are some album covers you like or what are what is you know some kind of style you like or whatever and through the process of that conversation he had mentioned um screeching weasel how they had the the weasel character you know right yeah and i during that same time I worked at this large sportswear company and we were doing these fake um, mascots for, you know, fake teams or whatever. Like we, I don't remember why, but um, we would make up these team names and then we would do like a mascot for them. And I thought that was fun. And, and I thought, well, what if, what if a band had this, had a mascot, it was kind of like, you know, like a sports mascot, like a, yeah. you know, and so I kind of approached it that way and I sketched out this um, first little sketch, my sketchbook. And I remember, um, I think I, I went to the studio when they're recording Poconacha. I think I met them there that night, that night and Brandon was there and I think I showed it to him. I still have that sketch anyway, but um, I think I showed it to them and they liked it and I was like, okay, well you want to go this way? And they're like, yeah. And so I went 
I went back and started to develop this, this, you know, logo, but I, but I being a professional designer had this idea of, well, maybe I should try to make it like really professional, really, really nice. And so I changed the character a lot. And, um, and then I, I think I, I think I mocked it up like, and actually colored it all with colored pencils and all this kind of stuff, I think. And I sent, I'm pretty sure I sent that to Mike or something. And he's like, no, this is not what you showed me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you, he's like, go back to that original sketch. And I'm like, oh, you just want me to refine that, that, that dry, that doodle. And he's like, yeah. And so that's where, you know, the original Poconatchik character pose came from was like, I tried to basically recreate the the sketch I had done, but just really refine it and clean it up instead of completely changing the character to something different, you know, yeah. like I had tried to do. Um, but there, there was a lot of things that went in to that. I mean, there's a lot of things that went into the different aspects of that that album cover um, influences and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know how much detail you want me to get yeah. or whatever. Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious now as to what was that uh, design that they rejected? Like in what direction was it from what we now know as PXPX? Like how, how different was it from, from that? Well, it was, it was more realistic proportions of a person. Oh, I see. Um, it didn't, yeah, I'm so glad he, he made me go back to the drawing board because um, I ended up refining that that one and used it for something else okay. later. Um, I think it's even on my Instagram way back um, uh, when I was going through and just finding old stuff to post. But um, yeah, we used it for like a t-shirt for a music club in Portland and stuff like that. Um, it, Cause I liked it enough to develop it yeah, for sure. further, but you know, I'm so glad he, he made me go back to the drawing board. Cause obviously we wouldn't have the, the PXPX that we have now. Yeah. Well, that's just cool that it was kind of a collaboration. You know, they had their ideas and you had yours and cause sometimes it's, it's so much more the one way where the band is just like, this is what we want. Don't do anything else. Or the artist, the same thing. And, so it's kind of cool that, you know, you brought something different. He said, no, go back. And, I mean, obviously at the time you had no idea, you know, how um, iconic that logo would become. Um, so that, that's cool that it, that it worked out that way. So when you designed that, was that was it just kind of like, you know, this is a one-time thing for this CD cover? Or were they interested in, you know, turning this into something else? Or did that kind of happen over time? Um. I think the only thing I was thinking was I want to do something really, obviously this is one of the few, you know, album covers I've actually worked on and, and I was so in love with music and I just loved the whole culture of the whole entire thing. And plus it was punk rock and just, it was like a dream job. And I was, I just put my heart into it, you know, and it didn't matter 
I I really didn't think that it was I didn't wasn't looking beyond just one album cover and some merchandise, you know. And I knew from working at a sportswear company what would work good on merchandise. Right. You know? I knew it had to be bold, simple, clean. Um, I also grew up just in love with, with you know, stuff like the Black Flag um, logo or oh, yeah, the, just... dead, the Dead Kennedys. Yep. And those are the things that even, I think, were the first um, time I really, really understood even the power of a logo, you know? Um, because those are so, so simple and easy to draw on your peach year, whatever, when you're a kid, right? you know, and I grew up drawing all those logos and other band logos when I was a kid on my stuff. And I wanted to do something that might possibly be iconic like that. And, um, so for the most part, the head is pretty, is pretty simple. I mean, but, you know, because I had to put a body on it, I had to do it a little more complicated than what somebody would just be able to sketch from memory or whatever. Right, yeah. But, but that was what I was striving for. And um, the simple block colors, you know, because that's what we, we had to do in screen printing. It was like you didn't. Oh, yeah. And plus, plus, I was just learning to use a computer. I mean... The Blenderhead cover was the first time I ever did an illustration on on the computer, hmm. and that was and that was right prior to the the MXPX. And I had I just purchased my own my own home computer. You know they they weren't common back then, and uh, and so it was the first job I even did on my own computer. I think, and so I was just learning Illustrator. And I don't know, it was a fun process and it was very educational, but it was also a lot of work and I put a lot of heart into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, but but, but, you know, you do that on lots of things and most don't ever have the, the longevity, you know? Yeah, for sure. Do you remember what you got paid to do that artwork back then? Because that was in 94, that album came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, yeah, I'm, just, I'm curious, what uh, what was the going rate for, for artwork back then? Um, I would say zero. I, I, I think that those early days, um, I was just so excited to be contributing to this thing that was going on like this exciting new scene and I just wanted to, I just didn't, didn't care. I mean, but then after you put all this work into it and you, and you realize the thing you've actually created is actually worth something, right? then you start to have second thoughts about it. But, um, and later down the road, we, we, we would have got, we got into a few, (laughs) we got into a dispute, over some of that stuff but um at first you know it was all we were just all kids having fun you know it was brandon started the company when he was 23 i i started working doing stuff for him when i was 26 you know the band was nine years younger than me i mean we were just in it for the love of the thing and and so 
but as time went on, you know, you know, we started to learn that we had to have contracts right, and stuff like that. But in those early days, there was no, there was no contracts or anything. Yeah. Well, I guess because tooth and nail was so early on too, like Brandon, I'm just assuming was probably like, well, this, this guy wants to do this art, like, you know, he's excited about it. So, you know, I'll, I'll let him do it kind of thing. And maybe, maybe he wasn't as on top, obviously as over the years, um, of paying artists and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just assuming that, but I guess, you know, you're both kind of starting, like you said, you're, you're both excited about it. And, and I know that happens lots in, in music and art where, you know, you kind of trade back and forth until you realize like, okay, you know, I should probably be getting paid for this because I'm trying to make a living at it and trying to be professional and, so that's uh yeah that's interesting and so right. did that just kind of keep so Poconacha comes out and then like were you doing merch and stuff for them or when they went to the studio to do teenage politics they hit you up again how did that kind of um relationship kind of progress after that that first album art um i i just want to reiterate that i don't hold that any of that time against anybody like I, yeah yeah I for sure totally, totally fine with it um um, I think, well, <laughs> I was going through some life changes because I think it was like the same week that Poconatra released, I think we had our first kid, my, me, my wife and I, and, and so we, and then it wasn't long after that, that I got a job and we moved, oh. um, to Salem where I'm now and. Um, so there's a lot of changes going on. And so I kind of just depended on the guys just to like ask me to do stuff. And I was doing, and I was starting to do freelance for, for more other bands and record labels and stuff like that, um, during that time. And I, I stayed pretty busy. I mean, I still had a full-time job. And I would come home and always have a list of things to do when I got home too, um, for designs and um, juggling it all. I didn't really have time to self-promote, you know. I, yeah. I, it was just coming at me, and so, yeah. Brandon ended up, I think, approaching me to do teenage politics, and again, I think, or Mike. Maybe it was my career. I don't know. But anyway, one of them. And then I talked to Mike and again, and I, I, I have a, I have some sheets where he wrote out all the, the, the meanings of the songs oh, that wow. were going to be on it so I could have it. Yeah. It's like awesome. his hand, handwritten notes about what each song is about. And, um, so I had to kind of go off of that and, and try to figure out what would be a concept that would work with it. And I have never got the right, never got the answer to this question, but I sort of assumed that maybe teenage politics wasn't necessarily a good thing. And so I thought, well, having the punk smash the letters yeah. would be, would be cool. And so I, I drew up a couple sketches um again and i i like printed them i i copied them and then um colored them with colored pencils and markers and 
and sent them off to the guys and and they they picked one and that's what we went with and then i refined that um like crazy and that's where um teenage politics came from yeah that's awesome i mean that's such an iconic cd cover i mean as as all of them that you did i remember that one specifically um, i was at a at a bookstore with my my family or whatever going to pick out a tape and uh, Teenage Politics was sitting there, and it immediately caught my eye. And uh, this was still when my parents were kind of like dictating what I listened to or said yes or no to what I could get. And so yeah. for some reason, my mom didn't like that cover. So um, just so you know that I'm sure when you created that, you you weren't thinking, this might offend some people. And I don't think she was offended. It was probably just like, uh, I don't know about that one. So I, that's I, yeah, that's funny. So it was probably I that's, don't know a year or two after where it was just like I'm going to get this anyways, and yeah, I I love hearing those stories because um, I actually had it in my mind when I did those album covers that I I wanted them to jump off the shelf, you yeah. know. Well, especially with that that's, bright green. Yeah, that's why the those first two and the Blenderhead cover are so bright. Yeah, and you know. I I didn't think there was anything wrong with that be, as far as being punk rock because I had grown up with these Black Flag album covers that were super bright and straight out of the tube type of colors, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, and plus during that time was the big, um, you know, rock poster explosion that was happening. And a lot of those posters were printed with fluorescent inks and stuff. And, I really, I really dug that look, but of course we we couldn't afford to do fluorescent inks on a on a CD cover. But I was trying to make them as bright as possible, and like even with the with with Poconaccia, you know, the blue and the red. When you put the right blue and the right red together, it makes your eyes kind of vibrate. Like, and so I and I had played with op art like that before, and so I was trying to do that. Um, there and then like with the teenage politics um, that background is stolen straight out of something that would be on one of those old rock posters that had the had the radiating you know rays and stuff like that yeah almost kind of like hippie art or like 3d or something like Mm -hmm. that kind of trippiness and Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's awesome. So as MXPX kind of were growing around this time, did you notice you know this logo becoming more popular, or was there because there was no social media or really any way to know that in your mind? Was it like, oh, cool, they're they're using it for a second album? You know, I'm happy to do it. Like, was it you know, was it becoming iconic then yet, or when did you kind of notice that? Like, or was that you know a ways down down the road? Yeah. I mean, at at first, you know, in our little Northwest scene, I knew that they were popular and people, if I, if they found out I did the art, they were impressed or whatever. And it was like, oh, that, you know, that's awesome. And all this kind of stuff. But I didn't, I didn't understand the reach that MXPix was having. You know, I, I was, like I said, I was so busy raising my, my kid and like, um, you know, w- with my head down working that I just, I don't know. And how would I even know that kind of stuff? There was no right, social media. Yeah. There was nobody reporting back to me saying, Hey, MXPX had a sold out show in blah, blah, blah. You know, 
I mean, I had no idea what was going on. And I would say, I don't know when I really realized, but I started seeing people getting tattoos of it. Yeah, I was just going to say. And I think that was like an indication that, oh, this is bigger. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than maybe even the band. Like, this is, um, this is a weird, weird thing, you know? Um, but I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And I, and I'm glad that I was able to be a small part of that. Um, but yeah, without social media, it was only, I think I got, I was pretty much a, a online hermit, you know, um, until like, I think it was 2014, late 2014, I got an Instagram and I had never had a social media before that. Mm, yeah. Um, and I still don't have Facebook or anything, but, um, and I started getting people messaging me or, or commenting on my posts and saying that, you know, that they grew up, you know, drawing the punk on their peaches and stuff, just like I did with those other yeah. bands back when I was a kid. And, yeah. and that blew my mind. And I, and I, I kind of feel like that's like the, almost the most, um, I don't almost the biggest compliment I could get. Hmm. Yeah. That's you know? cool. Well, that was definitely me. I've, I've still got some of my high school binders with bad names. And I mean, that, that punk head is, is definitely right in the middle of that. And so that's, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. How do you feel about, you know, seeing those tattoos, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of them as well. I've got, I've got one of them myself. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so I've seen a lot that, you know, that aren't done great and some that are done amazing. You know, maybe this is a weird question, but like, how do you feel when you see a tattoo of your artwork where it's like, Oh, that does not look how it's supposed to, or is it just kind of like, well, I guess it's that, that person's, um, not problem, but that, that was their, you know, depiction of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, the, the, the artist part of me and the designer, um, cringes at a lot of the quality, um, for sure. Um, but you know, I've just learned to just enjoy it for what it is and, and thank, you know, just be thankful that, you know, people would want to put that on their body forever. And, um, you know, I wish I wish that they would, you know, go to a better tattoo artist, but, but it's, that's none of my business. I, yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah no. but I, I love it. I, so do you, I, I got to ask, do you have the PXPX tattooed on you? No, no, I don't have any tattoos actually. Oh, okay. Man, that, yeah. that one's not iconic enough to get, or you're <laughs> just not into tattoos or it's weird to get your own art on you or what? Well, I think it would be kind of weird to to get my own. Oh, imagine how know. cool that'd be. Someone would be like, hey, cool MXPX tattoo. And you'd be like, yeah, I designed this thing 30 <laughs> years ago. You owe me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. walking around with a crown on. Yeah, I, I guess Yeah, that's just such an interesting uh, dynamic. I mean, it's I. it took me longer than I wanted to to get that one, but it's still one of my favorite ones and 
you know, I remember seeing, I mean, Mike had it, you know, way back when, and I started seeing other bands getting it on them. And yeah, it's just such a, every, anytime I see it, even if it's done poorly, it's still like, okay, that's an MXPX fan. So I got a friend, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that that design has now been used, you know, on so many pieces um, of merch, you know, including the first piece of merch I ever owned. And I actually still have that sweater, um, you know, for posters <laughs> to art, to tattoos, to beer cans and so many things in between looking back at all those things, you know, what are some of your favorite items that that design has been on? And do you, do you collect those or do you just kind of leave that for uh, other people to do? Um, I, I, I don't collect them. Um, uh, maybe I should. Um, I, I really enjoyed seeing the plushie that MXPX made. Oh yeah. That was cool. A while back. That, that was cool. I have that. Um, you know, uh, also, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, they're still making merch with it on there, so maybe you're just yeah, so used to yeah. seeing it that you just don't really care anymore as long I, I as... Think, I, think, I think what if I could ask that question or answer that question a little bit differently... Yeah, for sure. It's like, I really, really um, like that some of the designers that I really respect um, have drawn it in their own their own take on it like even if it's just like you know kind of a throwaway doodle or whatever like chris sherry i mean he one day i i opened up instagram and and he had done one of his marker drawings of the the punk and i i was just just floored i was like this is this is crazy this is a guy that i look up to in so many ways and and he's drawing the character um, and you know, there's, there's a guy who, um, well, uh, that, that curates these art shows and he's asked me to be a part of a bunch of them. And, hmm. and he is also, a, a an artist and he works for, um, Disney animation and he drew, the the punk a bunch of times on these designs or whatever his name's Shogrin he goes by and um, so stuff like that I think is really I don't know if it really answers your question but I think that um, that's the kind of stuff I I really enjoy seeing yeah yeah no well that's awesome it's it's cool to hear uh, your take on that. So you've done lots of representations of the PXPX, you know, jumping, running, skateboarding on a Vespa. Do any of those stand out to you, for, you know, from one to the other? Is one more recognized than the other? Or again, is it just another way to, to kind of incorporate this di- this design and, and it's all kind of the same to you? Um, yeah, I, I think years ago I tried to sort of distance myself from that original Poconatchis pose because it's weird proportions and I don't know, it's just odd looking. But as I have gotten older and realized the appeal of it, I I think that is probably my favorite. I did a 
I did a, a cleaned up sort of refined new version of it for left coast live that, that record. Yeah. Um, and I think, so I think that's the version I probably like. It's, it's the same pose, but you know, I, I cleaned it up quite a bit and, um, you know, ended up, I started putting type on the heat, on the sole of the foot. Yeah. yeah, I love that. During, during teenage politics. And, and so on that one, I put MXPX on the, on the sole of his shoe and gave him long pants and put a skull on his shirt and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think that might be my favorite pose. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to, like, I don't, we, we actually just talked about that album, um, last night on, on the podcast. It's not out yet. Well, it will be by the time this comes out, but okay. yeah, I don't, uh, cause that's, I don't know if that one was released on CV, CD. I think it was just DVD and then, and streaming. So I'm going to have to go back and, and check that out on there. Cause yeah, that's really cool. Just going back again to the drawing, uh, yesterday I was, I'm just, telling my eight-year-old son that I was talking to the guy that designed the MXPX logo. And so he's like, oh, can you look up, can you look up a picture of that so I can draw it? And so I, and so I Googled it, and he was super excited to draw it. I mean, it, it looks pretty bad. I mean, he's, he's eight. And, but it was just, it just, I don't know, something about it just made me so happy to be like, oh, man, this is so cool. Now my son is, you know, he, he sees the logo all the time, you know, my CDs and, you know, the the tattoo on my leg and, and so that was just kind of a funny little little thing that now that's that's a part of uh, yeah his creative journey. So um, yeah, I know that I know that a lot of I mean the the biggest amount of credit goes to the band who has worked so hard and and to you know to keep keep the the music fresh and alive and um, keep their thing going. And that would be the biggest amount of credit to goes to why the punk is still around i mean at yeah. all you yeah, know for sure um but i feel like also do you feel like it kind of i don't know when i see people with a tattoo of it or something i think it represents some a certain attitude that is maybe punk rock but positive punk rock mm. kind of thing yeah you know um I don't know. I've just observed that. Um, I think it's kind of an icon that represents a positive um, kind of punk vibe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, MXPX has always, you know, kind of had that that positive, you know, side to them. And so, I mean, yeah, lots of people that I know that are into MXPX, you know, are definitely positive type people. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of a cool, um, yeah, a cool thought. I've never really thought about that before. So. But yeah, so speaking of of that logo, I'm I'm really curious as to, um, you know, when you create something, whether it's this or or anything else, um, you know, do you own the logo or is it one somebody has, you know, paid to use it, then they're free to use it, you know, as much as they want for however long they want or because you've kind of used, um, you know, the PXPX character in you know, other forms of art. And so what's that kind of dynamic between those two and, and kind of what's allowed or what you can do, or, I mean, you're the artist, so you just have freedom to do whatever. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, 
There was a time when MXPX left Tooth and Nail and everything was kind of um, getting disputed right. during that time, right before um, uh, slowly going the way of the Buffalo type of era. And, um, and they, each side kind of tried to drag me into it. Um, and be, in, in relation to the character, um, and I kind of got, at first I was interested to try to, you know, see if I had any rights. And then eventually I got tired of it and decided this is not, this is not going to get me anywhere. And so I said, you guys can go ahead and fight it out. I'm out. Yeah. And, um, and I never really knew how it would been, had been settled. Um, and even today I don't really know and i don't really know if it matters um as far as yeah as far as they are concerned and i'm concerned um if 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 they if they do care they probably should talk to me but the thing is that um what with a stand i've taken is that um that i will not do anything that i think will um upset them um, yeah, or or cross a certain line. So, uh, in other words, uh, if if the punk looks too much like the real punk, um, then I've either done it for them or I've done it for fun. So, like for instance, I did a I did the punk as a cupid, right. and I did him and I did him as an elf. Well. They did end up taking that elf and using it on stuff, but the cupid they never did, and it was fine because it's kind of stupid looking. But I, I just wanted to do that for fun, and but he, but he has the exact same face, as, right, as the Pokemon punk. Um, whereas when somebody will ask me for like to do a commission for them, um, if it's a one-off you know, one piece of art that they're paying me for, like an original piece of art, um, I think that's okay. I can make it look um, like the the real punk. Um, If I'm doing it for something that is, uh, like if a a customer owns a business, this has happened a few times, where they're like, hey, I love the character or I want to use it for my business and I'll say, well, we can't do that, but you can have me do this. And, um, and so I don't know, you can bring up specific things if you want to ask me about them, but there's been so many that I, I don't yeah. really know how to answer yeah. that question, but no, that's, that's, that's generally, I've put up sign of like rules for myself and things I won't, do um and those are just kind of my own guidelines that nobody really imposed on me but those are the ones that i that i have imposed myself yeah yeah Yeah. no no that's fair it's just kind of a unique thing because you know most band logos you know it's just for that you don't really see you know 
um, like the Blink-182 rabbit or, you know, used in other things. And it's like, oh, is that a Blink thing? No, that's something totally different. Like, oh. But whereas this, so that's why I was curious, you know, just going through your Instagram and seeing it used for different things. I was just curious, you know, is that just you playing around and using it or um, or other places or, you know, are you selling it to someone else or, or whatever, all that stuff. So, but uh, yeah, no, that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And it's such a versatile um, piece of art. Yeah, I don't, hmm, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, there's certain things I just won't do, but others, you know, probably looks like I am, you know, doing something. But, like, for instance, when um, that guy Shogren approached me, he's curating these art shows, and he's like, I just love that character. Can you, can you do a mashup? And that's, that's the other thing I should mention is um, I started mashing it together with other characters. So like when I saw other fan art and people doing things in other, in other, not related to this, but in other characters, they were mashing them together. And I was like, oh, I could do that with the punk. And so the first one I did was um, Darth Vader with right, yeah. um, the Puckinish Punk. And I did that just purely for fun. And the and then I showed it to MXPX and they actually did end up printing it on some shirts. And so I made a little bit of money on that. But um and then and then I ended up um making some prints for people. But uh that I feel like because of this whole era we're in where fan art is a thing and you can get away with you know drawing mickey mouse in your own style if you do it if you do it enough like your own style and you can even sell it on stuff if you're careful you know yeah i was gonna ask Um, how that works with copyrights and yeah so it's a it's a it's a bit of a gray area right now because um i would have never thought that was okay um but people are getting away with it. And so I was like, well, if other people are going to do this with characters they don't even know, you know, have any right to, I, I should probably be able to do it with the Pocanacha Punk and mash it with something else, you know? And if I don't make, if I don't make a lot of money on it, it's not going to bother anybody. Right. Know? Yeah, that's true. Um, and so it's kind of become a hobby and also something that, I can do for fun, you know. Yeah, well, it's awesome. Yeah, so the last few years you've been working on uh, the posters for these MXPX shows. They've been doing, you know, kind of weekends. And, and uh, I mean, these posters are incredible. It's, you know, it's it's taken that PXPX and just, you know, timesing it by a 1,000 because there's so much more room on a poster to, to create. And so I would love to hear kind of what inspires those posters, you know, how much freedom do you have to create those and okay. Yeah. What, what's the inspiration um, behind those? Cause they're, they're so cool. Okay. Uh, I don't do those. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first way I could answer that question. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Well, my mistake. Or maybe you just, did you just post them on your Instagram and um, are they on there? Or no, I thought I no. saw them on there. Mm-mm. No. So if, so pretty much if it's not on my website or on my Instagram, I, probably did not do it so 
Um, that that's a guy um, named Justin Gray. He's he's incredible. He's I really like his stuff. But yeah, he he does those, and I believe he's done the last few singles um, for MXPX. The, oh, I see. The Fever Dream and Life in Quarantine yeah. covers. Oh, okay. Um, so they work with him too. Uh, you know, I yeah, I don't have any part of that part. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. My mistake on that, I guess. Um, to re to rephrase that, how do you feel seeing, um, you know, your character in those? And I guess back to the other question, like, so that's okay for another artist to, you know, to re represent um, the PXPX in in a different in a different way. Well, yeah. Nobody asked me my permission to start with, but you know, I've just. I've learned over the years to just relax on a lot of this stuff. I mean, you know, I've never gotten anywhere with trying to control things. Yeah, that's um, fair. You know, in my in my career, um, you know, working for other people, you kind of have to learn to release to a certain extent your control over stuff, and um, you know. I, I, I in generally, I really like what he's doing with it. Um, I would do the characters a little bit different, but that's me because that's just my, that's how I am. That's my preference. But I think the approach that I still take to things a lot of times is for them to be really iconic. And he's, he's approaching it as, an illustration. Right. Um, and so for instance, um, they take me like, I'm sure way longer than, than what he does because I'm, because I'm not as fast at doing illustrations and because I'm approaching it as this, you know, worked out, you know, piece of art that I, I don't know. It, Again, I'm not putting his stuff down at all, at all. Um, he just has a different approach than me. And like when I did the self-titled um, album, I was really glad Mike had me come back and, and work on that. Um, y- you know, and I worked closely with him and we we talked a lot and I showed him lots of sketches and we went back and forth and back and forth and and refined it and refined it and refined it. And we ended up with something I, I feel proud of. And I think that again, it's, it's got that iconic quality to it. Definitely. Um, I am very sure that he's not taking that kind of care with every poster, every, you know, yeah, it might be a manager kind of role getting that stuff figured out. Yeah, I don't know because um, all I know is that I don't know if I'd even want to do those posters. So it's not a matter of, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really don't. I don't really don't care that much because um, they, they're great and they're a different style than I do. And they would take me way too long if, if that's what they wanted. And so, um, 
I'm fine with that. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's that's kind of uh, probably more information than you wanted. But no, no, that's awesome. I really appreciate the your honesty with that because that's probably a lot a different response than than you would get from a lot of artists. So that's you know cool that you have that integrity and that you know it's just not worth i guess the fight for that especially if it's not something you want to do anyways so um mm-hmm. yeah well, let's I, i'm i'm curious as if to the if there was other ideas for the self-titled album or was it always you know something with pxpx you know with with that specific image or was there other ideas floating around i don't know if you're allowed to uh, to mention that or not um i remember that mike's direction was that he wanted him to look like he was listening to music and enjoying it. Um, and, you know, kind of stoked about the music. Um, other than that, you know, I just had to figure out how to represent that. Um, I don't remember if he or I came up with the idea of him having headphones on, uh, it's possibly he did. He said that, um, and so there was iterations where I drew some where his whole body was showing, where he was sitting cross-legged on the floor, and you were kind of looking at him shot from above. Okay. Um, um, and, you know, Mike said, well, what if you have him coming popping out of something? And um, so it kind of developed like that. Um, and I... I would have to go back and look at sketches, but one of the original sketches got used on, I think it was the test pressing cover. Cause I was working with Jason Zimet on, on all that packaging. And, um, he was like, Hey, it'd be, it'd be cool for the test pressings to do one of the earlier sketches and use that as the cover. And so that's what we did. Um, so if you have the test pressing, you have one of the earlier sketches that I did. Oh man, that's cool. Well, I, I don't. I'm not a vinyl collector, but uh, okay. so, somebody's got a, a unique piece of art in their hand. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, it's, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up, but I would love to hear, um, you know, what what your favorite MXPX albums are. Kind of assuming you've kept up with them over the years, or maybe it's songs or projects. Um, yeah, I would I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, as far as the impact of my life, I'd have to go back to that Poconatcha, but um because, you know, it's it's it was the start of this whole thing where yeah. it's affected so much of my life, but um and it's crazy because, you know, I yeah, it's just you you never could predict this stuff but um i think if i had to pick one i feel like when slowly going the way of the buffalo came out i was i was excited about it that it might be a new harder direction they were going in um and so i really liked that album a lot yeah um yeah and but i think also with that said, I think um, "Doing Time" might be my favorite song. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. Which is not after that album, but right. 
but when I see that when I see them live now, um, I just realize how incredible they are. Like they have written so Mike's written so many great songs and and from their whole catalog, there's there's just incredible songs that are so fun um, along the whole the whole career and so I don't know that I could really other than saying silly going um, but also I really really like the the self-titled and I don't know if it was partly because I was involved with it or and so it's kind of like you know, tainted my way of viewing it. But yeah. I think when these, when these punk bands, some of them get older and they're still making incredible music. It's so cool. You know, I think, you know, like social distortion, just, I mean, they just keep, I think they just keep getting better and better, but that's, you know, I'm sure somebody could argue with that, but, um, I think that, and I told Mike this, I think he's at the top of his game, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, yeah, MXPX is my all-time favorite band, and so it's, yeah, it's definitely hard to, you know, to pick albums and songs because there's so many different, you know, one really cool thing about MXPX is there's so many different eras of the band, um, you know, from life in general to the to the switch and slowly going the way the Buffalo and then, you know, shifting you know to ever passing moment before everything and after and and uh yeah I, I just love that about them you know it makes it really fun to to kind of dive into their discography and and so yeah that, that's awesome that you've you know had so many opportunities to work with them i just quickly wanted to mention um just that i've always loved the the let it happen artwork as well um i, I can remember when i got the the first um the first, I guess, pressing or, or whatever, because they re-released it a number of years later. But yeah, that that always that album cover always stood out to me. Oh, that's that's so cool to hear. I I've heard that from other people too, and it's kind of funny because when I did that, I kind of was paranoid that the band wasn't going to like it because they were kind of left out of that process. Right. Yeah, I remember um, hearing that. Yeah, and so I was nervous about bumping into them sometime. <laughs> Um, after that and um, they you know they didn't seem to care and they were they're always so gracious and so nice to me so um, I I have nothing but you know love for those guys but um, but yeah I, I I felt weird about it and yet and I don't even know if I loved it that much when I did it but I think the more people have have said you know how incredible was for them you know as a again an iconic you know album cover i've learned to kind of go okay well i guess i agree with you now <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> um how many but, how many album covers have you done for them i'm just trying and as you're talking i'm just trying to, to picture all the ones like because maybe you've done some like can't remember if the the second release of Let It Happen had your artwork on it or not. Yeah, it did. Um, the thing about that was that when I think it was when Brandon was talking about doing a best of kind of 
thing after they left the label. He was talking about maybe doing a best of, I think that, that that was the era where he, he hired me to do some different poses. Um, and he paid me for four different poses and I didn't know what they're going to be used on. I had no idea. Um, but one of them is on that, that second, let it happen. And the, another one is used on the 10 years and running. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, which is pretty cool that they've used that as a backdrop for a lot of their shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then the, I can't remember which, maybe it's the let it happen. It has the Vespa, um, drawing on the back or something. Okay. Yeah. That was one of those four and the view where it's kind of shot from, or it's kind of a viewpoint above him where he has his hands in his pockets. Okay. Yeah. I think that was the fourth one. Okay. So, yeah, man, that's all. It just makes you want to go back and, uh, look through my CDs here to see, uh, (laughs) just what I can pick up. And, but yeah, well, John, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks for taking the time just to share and to go back into that memory vault. And yeah, just so I, I just always love, um, just getting to hear stories about my favorite band from, you know, back when they started up until now and everything in between. And so it's been really cool to, to have you on. Well, I, I really appreciate it. I, I had fun with it. I love talking about this, this kind of stuff. I mean, even it's just not related to me, it's like music and art is just so fun to talk about and to be into. And so I just really appreciate, you know, you talking to me about it. So this is awesome. Yeah, right on. Well, thanks so much for taking the time again and uh, look forward to to talking uh, talking again and just keeping up with your artwork. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing because it's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it a lot. What's your thinking, sir? Well, um, down with Hitler. All the way down.